This summer, we are meeting with Jesus, and we're, we're meeting with him so that we can be changed. We want to have a clear picture of who he is so that God can make us into the people that he wants us to be. This is how it works with Jesus. When you see him clearly, he changes you completely. Now, the challenge is that it's not always easy to see Jesus clearly. People who think they have God all figured out often get Jesus wrong. You can see this in the Gospels. Uh, Even with his disciples, they misunderstand him, and that's because Jesus often acts in unexpected ways. He does this frequently. He is surprising in what he does, and he's surprising in what he does not do. He moves in unexpected directions, and that means that people can get him wrong. And so this morning, we're going to observe one meeting between Jesus and a Samaritan woman where he behaves in a very unexpected way. Jesus crosses a boundary in order to rescue a woman with his grace and then enlist her in his mission of sharing the good news. Now, if we're open... This encounter has the potential to challenge us. First of all, to challenge us to cross the boundaries that we have always operated according to. And then, to let the walls that we put up come down so that Jesus can come to us and rescue us with his love. We need to be rescued. For the first time or maybe again. And then, so that Jesus can use us in his ongoing mission as he makes us into emissaries in the world. The story we'll look at is in the fourth chapter of John. Uh, Jesus is traveling with his disciples toward the northern city of Samaria. Now his friends are not with him in the scene we'll look at because they've stopped in the city to get some food. But Jesus is out on the edge of town by the well where he's resting when a woman comes to get some water. And this creates an opportunity for a meeting with Jesus. Let's look at John chapter 4, verse 7. This is what happens as Jesus sits alone by the well. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Anyone who understands the rules in this culture knows exactly why she asked that question. But in case the reader doesn't understand, John actually adds a clear explanation. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Asking a stranger for a drink means sharing your cup with that stranger. This woman has come to the well alone as far as she knows, and as she lowers her container, she is surprised by a man who's sitting in the shade. Jesus is there by himself because his disciples are in town getting food. It's just the two of them, and he asks her for a drink. But he is Jewish, and she is a Samaritan. 
And Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans because they are the enemies, just like they can't be trusted. They believe the wrong things and they behave in the wrong way. Their religion is all wrong and they don't belong here. This is how it's always been between Jews and Samaritans. And so neither group has anything to do with the other. A fact which by this time has become an important part of both groups' self-understanding. And here we are able to see an old social dynamic at work. It's the unifying power of having a common enemy. Having a them to bring us all together. Do you know what this looks like? Whenever social disorder increases, personal security and confidence decrease, and the easiest way to restore feelings of stability in in an environment like that is to find a common enemy to blame. And this is because a scapegoat provides immediate social benefits. Simple explanations for complex problems give us the feeling of control. And it's easier to believe that our troubles come from an enemy than facing the part that we might play. And when we have a bad guy to talk about together, it knits us together more tightly. Studies actually show that friends bond more quickly over shared dislikes than shared likes. And when we have a group that is all bad to us, we look pretty good by comparison. A common enemy really brings people together. And that's what's happening here in this story at the well. The Samaritans, they serve that function for the Jews, just like the Jews serve that function for the Samaritans. And this back and forth between these two groups is as old as memory goes for them. Ever since the city of Samaria was taken from God's people and repopulated with foreigners who practiced an illegitimate blend of religions on that hallowed land that was 750 years before this scene. Ever since, both groups have defined themselves against the other and the only thing that they share is a common disdain. You know that this same dynamic is alive and well in the 21st century, don't you think? All you need to do is update the names of the in-group and the out-group and you have a description of where we live day in and day out. And, And this reality is tearing us apart. It tears friendships apart. It tears families apart. It pulls churches apart from one another. And it pulls our country apart. Uh, Republicans and Democrats. Nothing to do with one another. Uh, Liberals and conservatives. Traditional and progressive. This scene at the well, it teaches us something that we need to learn as we look at Jesus. And here it is. Uh, Jesus has no respect for the labels that we use or the boundaries that we maintain against others. He does not accept them. He rejects every attempt to build unity by defining a shared enemy 
in other people groups. Please dwell on this for a moment and let it sink in. This is not the same thing as saying every person in the world is equally correct. That's not true at all. But it does teach us here that Jesus will not accept an outlook that says we will have nothing to do with them. Otherwise, he would never have been with this person at the well. Because because Jesus, and here's why, because Jesus is for all people. And none of us, none of us are the groups that we identify with. That's not who we are deep down, and Jesus knows that to him. Every person is far more than that, and he wants everyone to know it and to live like it's true. And if we want to meet with Jesus, we have to be ready to talk with Samaritans, whoever they are for us, to receive a drink, to share with those whom we've learned to vilify and hate. And all of us have learned to vilify and hate some group. Here we learn that if we are going to sit down with Jesus, we also will have to sit down with them, to sit down with one another and to talk to one another as we see Jesus doing here, denying and crossing boundaries. Now, what happens next in this story shows the reason that Jesus crosses the boundaries. It's not just to make a social statement. There's a lot more going on than that here. Jesus comes to the woman because she needs the same thing that we all need, which is to be saved. How can you ask me for a drink, she says to Jesus. Watch how he responds. This is verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus knows that it's not just physical thirst that has driven this woman to the well. Instead, it's her deep spiritual thirst that has been steadily growing in her and always will until she gives her heart to Jesus. This is the reason that Jesus crosses the boundary that is up between her and his people because her heart needs him and he knows it. This meeting takes place at noon And that is why it is very clear that this is not just regular thirst that has driven her there. Noon is the hottest part of the day. If her thirst was physical, she would have come in the morning or in the evening like all the other women in the village when the sun was low. But she is here now because she doesn't want to see or be seen by anybody. She's isolating herself because she carries a great shame which she thinks is hidden from others, but which Jesus can see. She is driven by an insatiable spiritual thirst. Her story is that she's been married five times and is now with a man who is the sixth person she's given herself to, and he's not even her husband, which means that she has been rejected over and over, used by a series of men who have left her behind. In her culture, she's not allowed to initiate divorce. Imagine how you would be buried under 
pain, of this kind of repeated rejection. Her soul is dying of thirst because she keeps on trying to be loved and to love and she keeps being turned away. And so now it's easier for her to avoid everyone. She manages this pain by hiding, but that is exactly why Jesus has come to the well to meet her. It is no mistake that he's there instead of in town. He knows her whole story. He knows exactly what she needs and he's come to meet this deepest need of hers to reach down into the depths where her sadness is always growing and to satisfy that thirst which no one else can satisfy which is the thirst for confidence and security and peace that comes when a person finally knows that they are loved. Now You may see this in yourself. Maybe you're not aware of it but we are all driven deep down by the same desire, which is to know that we matter. To know that there is in us, as we have been made, something which is uniquely lovable. We all move this way and that because we want to know that we ourselves can be loved. Jesus comes to her and he comes to you and he comes to me for exactly the same reason, which is to give love. And we know this because of what the woman fails to perceive according to Jesus. Look again carefully at what he said to her. It is the gift of God and who it is that she is speaking to, which she hasn't yet grasped. And these are not two different things. They are the same thing. The one who has come to meet her and to speak with her at the well, Jesus Christ, is the gift of God. He is the Messiah who had long been promised and now had fully arrived in person and he is the gift of God which is the love of God for her and for all of us. Jesus is the gift of God in person because Jesus is the love of God in person. Here in this encounter where she hides herself away from everyone and tries to hide herself away from him, Jesus reaches out and invites her to receive from him this gift of himself. Look again at what he promises to give her. Living water. Not just a drink from a cup, but a drink from the heart of the Savior. In John's gospel, the gift of living water is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of God himself, whom Jesus gives to each person who chooses to trust him to meet their deep needs, who stop looking for love from another relationship, but instead accept that they are loved by God who made them, and then trusting that, become the people who love others because they have been loved. Maybe... The deep need that you bear in your heart is just like hers. You've learned that you are lovable when the people around you love you. And and as long as that keeps on failing, you will feel perpetually thirsty. Listen now, set aside that woman and put your attention on yourself for a moment. Jesus comes to you and says, just as you are, I reach out to you and I give you the gift of God, which is the love of God. You are beloved Let him say that to you. Now, whatever wall you've put up between him, he is a boundary crosser. And he comes to say you are loved. Maybe your spiritual thirst takes a very different form. Maybe you're the kind of person who has learned that acceptance is reserved for the winners. And so you bear an impossible buried grief 
for every time that you have lost. Jesus comes to you and he says, I know every one of your failures and I love you. Let me give you this gift. Maybe you've learned that your worth is equal to the goals that you've achieved and so every marker that you haven't reached yet up ahead drives you miserably forward looking down on yourself more and more with each passing dream. Jesus comes to you and says, I know all that you haven't accomplished and I love you. I love you with every failed goal. You are mine. I love you. Uh, Maybe you've taken your parents' expectations to heart and you are not living up to them at all. And at the end of each day, you just see all of the marks that you've missed according to mom, according to dad. Jesus comes to you and says, I know exactly where you are and I love you with every shortcoming. Not someone else. I love you. And here, please, open your heart to these words as if they come from Jesus himself. You are the one I love. You are the one that I want to sit down beside and share with. You. I want you, I want you to be with me and I want you to receive from me my very presence to dwell inside of you, living water. Jesus comes to you right now to give himself as the gift of God for you, God's love for you to satisfy that thirst forever. And he will cross the boundaries that you put up just as Jesus crossed the boundary that his culture had put up. Do not go on thirsting forever. Uh, Believe in Jesus. Accept his acceptance of you. It's the most important thing about you. And then let this grace, which seeks us out where we hide away in shame and grief, fill you with the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Whatever The well is that you go to alone, receive the living water and be made new. Meeting Jesus means letting him break through that barrier and love you, like we see here in this story. Now, that's not the last thing that happens here. And it's not the last thing that happens for any person who finally opens themselves up to Jesus. He doesn't just love us and accept us and leave us there, and that's it. Instead, after their initial exchange, Jesus and this woman of Samaria, a wonderful conversation unfolds. It takes almost the entire chapter of of John 4 to, to unfold. Read it on your own. It's magnificent. Now, Jesus reveals to her what we can see at the beginning, that he knows her whole story. She's shocked that he knows this story, and yet he's still so kind and gracious to her. She expresses to him a longing for Messiah, a longing for salvation. He unfolds it to her clearly that he is Messiah, the one that is right there with her. He is enough and he has come to her. Uh, The disciples who were off uh, getting food for themselves, they come back. They are stunned to see him in this conversation with the Samaritan woman. They're unsettled by the fact that he's talking to her. Uh, But here, he's obviously wanting to show them that they also will have to cross boundaries if they're going to come along with him. And then the woman departs abruptly from their conversation. She, she leaves her water vessel there at the well. She's in such haste. And, and as we wonder why, we quickly discover it's all so that she can go back to town and tell people there about the Messiah that she has met at the well. And here, here is the lesson for us in this last movement of this meeting with 
Jesus. She goes back to the city where she lives, Samaria, the city that Jews aren't supposed to have anything to do with. But as Jesus tells the disciples as she's going, that city is simply another part of the field where the harvest is ripe. And that's another way of saying that place is also a a place that needs the good news, where people need to know the love of God. Now look at what happens uh, that John reports uh, after the woman returns to her city. This is verse 39. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. When she got back to the place where she lived, she told her story. She told about how Jesus spoke to her, how a Jew came and talked to a Samaritan instead of respecting those boundaries. And and then in that conversation, how he knew her and saw through her to the heart of the matter, she shared about how he offered her the gift of God, the grace of God in himself. And because of her testimony, many people from that city believed. When Jesus saves a person, this is the lesson for us, He always sends them off to be his emissary, to be a witness of of what he has done, to bear the good news of God's gracious deliverance to those places where it's not yet known. Certainly, all of us can envision places where the good news is not known yet. Here we learn that as Jesus saves a person, and all of us should be open to his salvation, He then sends them off so that they're responsible for figuring out how to tell the people who live around them about his grace and his kindness and his love. How? How do we do that? Just one thing to take from this story. We cross the boundaries that we've long learned to regard so that we can tell the good news there. And here's where you have to be honest with yourself. Which is the group that I've decided to have nothing to do with? Uh, Who are those who've decided to have nothing to do with me? Maybe that is the place where God is calling us through this story to take a first step. To sit down, to share a drink, and to talk, and to listen. Jesus does miraculous things when that happens. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this story of Jesus' conversation with the woman of Samaria. We thank you that you are the one who crosses the boundaries that we put up between ourselves and others We thank you that you don't respect the way that we human beings divide up from one another with labels, bad and good, us and them. We know in our own hearts the tempting power of having an enemy to define ourselves against. We ask now that your spirit would challenge us everywhere we are prone to do that in our lives today. Help us take our cue from Jesus who goes across those boundaries so that we can become humane with one another again. 
And then help us also to lower the boundaries that we, we've kept up around our own hearts so that you can come to us as you come to this woman with the gift of God, your very presence, your love. Then, God, lastly, we ask that your love would change us so that we become people who share you with others. And we ask very simply that because of the testimony that we bear of your grace, many, many people will believe in you and experience your salvation also. Thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen.